Alright, so we're in the, the third week of our series about being united. Um, uh, we talked the first week about we're, we're united because we're all on the, the same floor of the hotel, and the hotel is burning. You know, we are, and we're sinners. We're in need of salvation. So we are all together, um, uh, one, in need of a, a Savior. And, and last week we talked about how we are united by the very power of God's love, you know, that, that He em- embraces us. Even though the building around us might be crumbling and we might be crumbling, there is no power in this world that can separate us from one another if we are in Christ. Jesus. It is the power of His love that holds us together. And today, I want to talk some about how we're united for God's good, you know, to do God's, God's good um, around us. It was a, a couple weeks ago, actually after the, the, the first uh, um, sermon, that uh, uh, one of you sent me an email, and that I've asked you if I can um, use it, because you, you caught this Part of our being united as the church in Jesus, that we're we're united to do His good, to to do to carry out His righteousness and His justice um, around us. And this is what uh, um, this this person said. And I asked them if I could share this with you. Um, being unified is being unified in our anger against Satan. It's, it's unified anger in Satan throwing roadblocks and temptations to all of us that keep us from the life God intended for each of us. The plans that God has that prosper not to harm, to give hope and a future. What happens when we get united behind that? What happens when we get united and, and say, Satan, enough is enough? What happens when in faith we step out and stand up for truth Hope and love. How, God bless you. How are we as a church equipping, not just mentally and spiritually, but physically, to stand unified and standing up for those things? Being unified sounds nice and kumbaya, but this week I've been challenged to see the power to change that comes in being unified. It's a choice to be unified. It's an act of humility to be unified. We're putting our own selves and desires down for a greater cause. And that's living out Philippians 2 in a powerful way. And Philippians 2 is that passage where Paul tells us that, that Jesus did not count equality with God as something to be held on to, but he left it, the comforts of heaven, in order to come among us and to become a human, and a human who would be a servant and die on the cross. That's what we're united for. That picture of, of righteousness and, and justice together to, to pursue that. Um, it's, you know how bombs have blast zones? You know, you see the mushroom clouds, you know, bombs go off and it's going to impact so much within a certain radius, you know, of, you know, ground zero. And, and um, uh, 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 I was reading an article where a guy was saying, you know, churches should have blast zones. But it's blast zones of grace. You know, it's blast zones of, of mercy, blast zones of righteousness and, and justice, of, of goodness. Uh, the, the, the impact that the, the church has where, where mercy and justice explode around us, goodness and love, where we are united and impacting evil, injustice, poverty, and hunger around us. We're united in order to bring about justice and equality and truth and beauty. 
word, we're, we're united to have grace zones where humans flourish as God was created us to flourish. Um, one of the, the passages we want to look at is Zechariah chapter 7, starting with verse 8. It's on page 772 in your pew Bible. And it's just to capture that this is, this is God's heart, that, that we are unified to be that, that blast zone of righteousness and goodness um, around us. Um, so Zechariah chapter 7, starting with verse 8 or 772 in your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. Let's... Uh, Let's play, pray together. Let's play together too. Um, Almighty God, thank you for your written word as it speaks to us of your truth. And now um, uh, put, get us in a place to hear you, to receive you, to, to um, uh, take in what you have uh, for us so that indeed we might be a part of um, the, your explosions of, of grace and mercy and justice and righteousness. Speak to us and change us. Unite us for your goodness. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, so Zechariah, one of the prophets of old, who speaks the words of God to God's people. And uh, he's uh, giving them a particular word here about God's um, blast zones. And really God's heart, just what God's heart is. The word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the orphan, the alien, or the poor, and do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. But they refused to listen and turned a stubborn shoulder And stopped their ears in order not to hear. They made their hearts adamant in order not to hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. Just as when I called they would not hear, so when they called I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. And I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations that they had not known. Thus the land they left was desolate, so that no one went to and fro. And a pleasant land was made desolate. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What I want you to see here is, is, is capture you know, God's heart for those who are voiceless, those who are powerless, those who are weak in our world. That, that's why he, he says here, don't oppress the widow, the orphan, the alien, or the poor. You know, th- those uh, were the words of the, the people in their, their day that were powerless, that were weak, that, that once that they came into those situations, then there was no way for them to be lifted back up into the fullness that God had created for them. And, and that, that, was a, a very, that was at the center of God's heart for all of God's people. And when they didn't do it, then notice how important it was to God. 
I mean, it wasn't something that God said, well, hey, that's all right. Let's get it better next time. You know, that's one of those secondary things that, that we can let you slide and, and we'll, we'll take care of that uh, next time around. No, this was then a word of great judgment of God upon God's people. You know, you, you didn't catch my heart. You didn't listen to my words. So therefore, I'm not going to listen to yours. And then what led to what we call the exile, to the people of God being being sent out and um, spread into to Babylon and to Assyria. And um, their pleasant land became desolate. You know, and so, you know, to, today, you know, just, I want just a, a quick little word. You know, we can think particularly around folks in our day that the same are voiceless, that are, um, that are weak, uh, that find themselves in, in uh, oppressive situations and the call of the church to, for, to, to jump in with them, to, to lift them up. And, and one, um, for, for sure, are just are, are children that find themselves in those situations. Children, particularly uh, as here for orphans. And, and uh, the, the work that we do with, with Nico and with um, uh, safe families and adopting families and uh, foster children that find themselves um, uh, without a family currently. Or that we do with, with children and, and families in crisis pregnancy situations. Um, on, on your one way out today, we, we partner regularly with Life Forward. And on your way out today, you'll get a baby bottle. And what you're supposed to do with that for this one is then put money in it and bring it back um, to church in the next several weeks, and we'll pass this on to Life Forward and partnering with them in caring for families that find themselves in crisis situations, both the mom, the dad, the child in the womb. We come alongside them to lift them up. So you'll get one of these on your way out. But This is God's heart for those in our midst and in our situations, the, the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, and the poor. Immigrant, alien, immigrants are more common. Alien, you sort of think of Martians, right? You know, it's not, we're not talking about Martians. But I guess if Martians came, you should be kind to them as well. They're part of God's creation. Um, but you know, for those that find themselves you know, out of touch, oppressed, unable to tap into the flourishing of, of the day, um, that's God's heart for how we then need to have gospel impact in the world around us. Jesus had the same kind of situation in Matthew 12 where we, we find in, in him as he, well, it makes sense. I mean, Jesus is God. So what G, God, Jesus perfectly demonstrates the heart of God because he is God. Whatever Jesus says, whatever he does, that's God doing it. That's God saying it. So we, we want to see and understand God's heart. That's where we go to Jesus and we see in him as well a heart for the widow, for the orphan, for the immigrant, for the poor. All right, um, and we'll see this in Jesus chapter 12 starting with verse 15. And, and what's happening here is Jesus has been... Um, uh, he's been he- healing and feeding some folks, and some of the religious leaders of the day don't like that. I mean, they're, Jesus is competing with them, and so they're going to try to take Jesus out. And that, that's what gives um, rise to the con- context of this particular passage. Um, it's 793 in your pew Bible if you want to turn there or follow along. God bless you.
when Jesus became aware of this, he departed. So they were trying to take him out, so Jesus left. Many crowds followed him, and he cured all of them. And he ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah. And this is Isaiah chapter 42 that Matthew now quotes. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. Now the Gentiles, recognize, Gentiles means the outsider. You know, there, there were the Israelites and there were the Gentiles. Those are the only two people there were, but from biblically speaking, there were Israelites and Gentiles means, it actually is the word ethne, it's the word ethnic, you know, so it's the other nations, it's everybody else. Well now, this one, Jesus is the one the Spirit is upon so that justice now goes to all. He will not wrangle or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed or quench a smoldering wick until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. That, that's the heart of God. That, that, that God's been, was, been telling us for hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. That this is the one who's going to come and this is what you'll know. This is the one for me when this is who they are. See, Jesus not involved, not really focused um, in in the the world's way at least on building a coalition of power and influence. Certainly, he's not about self-promotion. I mean, it says here he doesn't wrangle or cry aloud. You won't even hear him in the streets. And the one that, that he's going to be focused on, the what he's going to come along, the bruised reed, you know, so the, 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 the plant whose the, the branches are, are, are bent and they're, they're bruised. And, you know, others would say, I'll oh, just rip it out. It's a broken plant. Go get another one. Jesus is going to say, No, the bruised reed is the one I'm going to nurture. The smoldering wick, you know, a candle that's not burning like it's supposed to. You know, well, let's just put it out. Let's get rid of it. Just get a new one. Jesus says, No. The smoldering wick is the one that I pour into. Jesus is, is about the widow, the, the orphan, the immigrant, the poor. Because the world isn't. The world isn't about them. The world isn't there to, to help them. They're, they're the ones most likely to get not what they need and to not flourish. See, the world says, you know, well, you know, we'll let the, the, we're not the bruised reed. No, what we want, what we want in, in, in our way, we, we want the thick trunk, right? You know, we want the tree with the big trunk that nobody's going to bruise or move. And we don't want a smoldering wick on a candle. Man, we want a bonfire. And that flame is burning bright and big. But that's not the way of Jesus And twice in this he mentions the Gentiles, the people outside. Justice is not just for those inside, but outside. Hope is not just for those inside, but hope for the world. That is why we are united in Jesus. 
We're united in Jesus in order to pursue His justice, in order to do the good that He's calling us to do, to be about the hope of the world that is in Him, to truly believe what we sing, that He does impossible things. Like justice in our world. Like equality in our world. That's an impossible thing. Do you believe Jesus does impossible things? And then we step into those kind of impossible things. I mean, we can't even agree in this room on the, the definition of justice. I, I, see how impossible it is that God's then going to lead us to do it together. But that is the power of being united by Him. By that, that love that refuses to be separated even by our own differences and distinctions. And that's what brings hope to those in the world. That's the blast zone of the church that Jesus is talking about that brings hope to all, care to all, particularly for those who are in need, downtrodden, oppressed, the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, and the poor. And that does, that brings, that brings hope to the world, surprising hope to the world. And, and, and not, not just to the poor, but, but to, the, uh, to the rich and influential as well. I ran a, across an article by Nicholas Kristof. He's an uh, editorial writer for the New York Times. Not a friend of the church, really. Not, not, doesn't claim to be um, a Christian and uh, um, really uh, uh, doesn't uh, promote um, what the, the church is about much. But every once in a while... Um, and that's what I like about him is that he just this is, was his experience and what what he's encountered and he and he talks about his his encounter um, with um, uh, it's a Dr. Stephen Foster who who runs Hope for Angola and he's a um, he's a surgeon um, uh, who has been in Angola for now 39 years raised his, his family there and has been in the remote remotest places and the places that you know, nobody would ever know um, I can't even say the names of some of the cities but he's been there working teaching uh, literacy um, uh, fighting famine and disease and struggling to bring health full health to and Angola and uh, Angola for most of the time he was there was Marxist yeah, and so they were adamantly opposed to what the church was even doing um, there. But they let him in. They, they let him in. And publicly they said, oh, your churches will fail. But privately they said, keep on going because you're the only person that's going to those places and doing those things. And, and we need you. One son contracted polio while I was there. One daughter survived um, cerebral malaria. Um, they nearly starved on a number of occasions because of famine and government persecution and all the rest. But they continued in the impossible things of pursuing justice and righteousness in Angola. And Christoph, um, he concludes his, his article by saying that, that, and that, that he, he wrote this in one of those times when the, the, there was a lot of bad press about the church and people were jumping on the bandwagon and just um, um, uh, attacking the church. He says, the next time you hear someone at a cocktail party mock evangelicals, think of Dr. Foster and those like him. These are folks who don't just proclaim the gospel but live it. And they deserve better. 
See, that, that, it's that kind of hope, even for Nicholas Kristof. For those outside the church that as they see the blast zone of the gospel in Angola, that even they receive hope. That's why we are on board with what God does in our own community, in our own city, in our own neighborhoods, in terms of pursuing justice and righteousness and goodness in caring for the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, and the poor in our midst. I saw uh, an article from a professor um, who is an economist um, at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, uh, he calls himself, a, he's a secular Jew, so he has um, no um, uh, skin in the game at all uh, for this. And, but he, what he wanted to see was what was the impact of churches in their cities. And he looked particularly at, at Philadelphia. And he, he found that even the smallest church of like 25 members, and, and he, you know, he used his financial um, uh, um, uh, formulas to sort of figure out the financial impact. He said even the small church of 25 to 30 had an impact of over a half a million dollars on their city. And then a church around 300, 350 members, similar to the size that we had, had an impact of over $6 million in the city, in the city of, of Philadelphia. And he goes, goes on to, to say, here's some of the reasons why it has that impact. And, and he, he, he saw the, the, the groups and the classes and the work that helped to support and promote families that would prevent um, divorce, that would keep families together. He, he saw the, the, the work of suicide prevention, of providing relationships um, for those in need, and particularly those in elder times in life as their social network. Um, get smaller and smaller. They would come to, and he gave financial implications of that on the city, and and that's just on the value of the community coming together. Then he added to that how the church was working, um, helping to provide homes for those that are homeless, helping to provide um, food for those that were hungry, helping to to lift up the the education system in the city for those who were not receiving education. And as he added all of that up, it amounted to over $6 million as the blast zone of grace and mercy for a church. Do you realize that that's why we're united? That that's what he's called us together to? And that when we leave from here in a little bit, it's an explosion? And we become part of that blast zone, taking grace and mercy and justice wherever we go? At your work, do you, do you see your work, the work of your hands in that way? You know, as you, you work, whether it's in education, whether it's in manufacturing, whether it's retail, food service or delivery or food development, um, medicine, law, engineering, transportation, technology, science, the arts, whatever the work that you're doing, do you see that work as part of the blast zone, of the flourishing of our community. And, and the, the many ministries of the, the church, similar to what the uh, uh, economics professor found in the church he looked at in Philadelphia, ways that support individuals flourishing and families that fight uh, addiction and that care to, for, for those that are in need. 
Specific ministries you think of here, the global mission team, partnering with Catholic social services, uh, coming alongside the, the immigrants, the, the aliens in our land to say, how do we help you? Just you know, figure out how to get to the grocery store, to learn the basic language, to, to, to get your kids to school. How to come alongside you and lift you up. How an interfaith hospitality network that that we're we're a part of the blast zone of grace. Coming alongside families that are homeless and saying, here, come stay in the church. For three weeks out of the year, part of a larger group, we say to those families, we want to support you and hold you together and, and lift you up. How through like Christ Community and College Hill and Feast of Love and City Gospel and City Link, we're, we partner with other churches in the neighborhood and in the city to, to care for those who, who need work, who, who need food, who need furniture, who, who need simply companionship. And we want them to flourish. So we're, we're a part of the blast zone of the church in our city and in our community. And as I've already mentioned with Nico and safe families and foster care and, and adoption care, we come alongside the, those for whatever reason. Their families are unable to care for them in the moment or permanently. Do you recognize that those things aren't just nice, good things, but those are the heart of God? Those, those are the things that don't just pay dividends tomorrow. They pay dividends for eternity because that is, that is about what God is about for all of eternity. It's part of the blast zone of grace and why we must be unified in pursuing righteousness and justice because it's not easy. And you know that. We also partner with, with Pleasant Hill School, you know, just down the street, with whiz kids and tutoring, treehouse with mentoring, running a, a soccer program there, to helping develop their, their summer camp. Because Pleasant Hill School is one of the schools in the cities that's constantly failing. And it's one of the, the schools in, in the city where the, 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 the way the system works, that's where most of the students in this part of the city land who are poor. So we have a school with over 90% of the students, students of poverty. That's, that's a hard place to go to school and to teach. But man, Mrs. McDowell and Mr. Walker and the teachers there and the staff there, they, they are pouring into the students and the family there. And, and you know who was on the front page of their newsletter last month? We were. College Hill Presbyterian Church is on the front page of their newsletter because of the ways that we join with them in the blast of the good news of Jesus in caring for the families in our community. But in in that and in, in all the rest, the reason we need to be united is because we are in a spiritual battle. I wish it were just a problem of money. I wish it were just a problem of, of good decisions. Oh, those, are, those are helpful. Those are really good things. But it is a spiritual battle. There are systems at work that are powered by the evil powers of this world, the, uh, the evil powers of heavenly places, by the, the devil himself. I mean, the very fact that in any city there's a school where there's such a high concentration of poverty 
ought to tell you the devil's at work and loving it. Because that's a good way to continue to keep folks down. Find a collection of students that are in troubled situations to just put them all in the same place. And and, and the children, of course, are the victims, right? Because they had no say as to who they were born to. None. Whether children, whether their parents unable, um, or whether they're doing all that they can, or there's illness, or they're, they're just unwilling. I don't know. It doesn't matter in some ways because that's the reality that God says we've got to enter into because that's His heart. And, and, and you see the larger forces here um, as well in, in just way, in, in things that are like, how did that happen? You know, the ways that the system works, it's like, wait a minute, nobody designed that. No human design. Nobody's happy about that. How did we get here except for the devil himself? Because what, what's happening in our, our neighborhood, so Pleasant Hill is there, and because it's a failing school, what that means is that the families then in the neighborhood, if they choose to go to uh, private schools, they get vouchers. To help pay for their um, private school. That's a good thing. You know, and we can use that, right? That's really helpful. Um, but here's the problem. Who does that help? The, the poorest of the poor. Will that really help them? Will it help those, those families whose, whose parents either don't know the system or don't care about um, how it works? It's not going to help those children. And, and, you know, and the vouchers help pay part of tuition, but not all. So the poorest of the poor, it's not going to help them. Now again, wait a minute. This, this was designed to help, right? This was, this was a good, that's my, this is my point here. It's the, the systemic issues, the, the powers that be that oppose even good ideas with unintended consequences. That's what we're up against. That's why we must be united against the powers of the devil who take even good things like that and then make them, turn them in to where, you know, that has become sort of silently, quietly, a selling point of moving to the neighborhood. Hey, if you move to the neighborhood, you can get a voucher. Now, I know nobody's thinking about the implications of that negatively. Nobody's saying, well, let's keep that school performing poorly so that I can still keep my voucher. But unintentionally, that is the incentive. Yeah, that's... That's only a work of the devil and a spiritual battle that we are in. How and why it is so necessary that we stay united in Jesus in opposing the evil and oppression that exists in our neighborhoods, our cities, our communities. It's beyond our ability to strategize. It's beyond our ability to pay for. It is a work of God that he's leading us into to find the broken reeds, to bring healing, to see the smoldering wicks, and and to bring light and, and fire, to be an explosion of goodness and righteousness, a blast zone of the good news that only he can bring in and through us to do 
to really believe. You see, now, now you see why it's impossible? See why it is impossible unless he does it and we believe that he will. And that's why we enter in. That's why we're unified for good. Broken sinners united by God's powerful love for God's good. May we be a blast zone and cover our cities, our communities with righteousness, goodness, justice, and love. Amen.